Hello, and welcome to episode 14 of Encore. I'm glad to be back on the air with a new episode. Today's episode is brought to you by the Unbound series. Unbound makes thousands of GIA's hymns available at the click of a button. Selections previously published in text and tune collections can now be purchased as PDF downloads with full accompaniment included. New material will be added on a rolling basis, featuring works by today's best writers and composers. While OneLicense.net provides permissions for congregational use, Unbound provides full scores for instrumentalists and music leaders. And with that, I'm excited to welcome on today's guest, renowned musician, hymn text writer, and GIA's editor for Congregational Song, Adam Tice. Adam, I appreciate you taking some time to come on the show today. How are things with you? Hi, Tony. I'm glad to be here. It's going well. Great. So we'll jump right into the interview here. First question I got for you, just kind of a get to know you better question. Uh, I'm sure the majority of our listeners are familiar with you and your work, but can you take talk a little bit about your roots and upbringing, maybe up through your schooling? Sure. Uh, I'm Mennonite by background, so a little bit of an odd duck in the GIA family representing this branch of the church. Um, I grew up in Pennsylvania, Alabama, and Oregon before moving to Indiana in high school. I went to Goshen College, which is a Mennonite college, and uh, in the town where I currently live, Goshen, Indiana. I also have a degree from Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary in Elkhart, which is nearby. I studied music primarily, but also uh, theology. Okay, excellent. One thing I did not know about you until I did some research before our interview is that you're an ordained minister in the Mennonite Church and served as associate pastor at Hyattsville Mennonite Church in Maryland from 2007 to 2012. I guess, what was that experience like for you and you know how did it help your development? Yeah, it was a wonderful experience. It's a wonderful congregation within the Washington, D.C. Beltway. Um, with very thoughtful, very insightful people, and also some very strong musicians there. So my duties were pretty varied. I preached about once a month, but also very frequently led singing. Um, and uh, part of the Mennonite tradition is a cappella four-part singing, and I really enjoy relishing in that sound, leading a congregation and a cappella singing is uh, one of my great joys. Um, so that was all part of my work there. It's also informed my approach to writing um, and my approach to editing in that I have an insight into what makes sense for a congregation, what can help a congregation develop musically and theologically. Yeah, definitely. That is interesting. I could absolutely see it being you know, beneficial to your writing, kind of seen from both sides of the bench. Right. I, I noticed a shift in my own writing. You know, I started writing hymns when I was in seminary, and some of those early things are more informed by interesting kind of academic ideas or deep explorations of particular scriptures that we were working on in classes. And as I moved into being a pastor, there's a, certainly a more pastoral shape to the writing that took place during that era. Right, right. And you could definitely see that reflection in your work. Okay. In early 2020, you joined GIA as editor for Congregational Song, but you, of course, had a long and fruitful relationship with GIA before that. Could you give us some background as to how your publishing relationship with GIA began? You know, was it the normal just kind of submit stuff? Yeah, it all started with a blind submission. I 
back in the days when you had to print things out and put them in the mail. I sent a packet of things to GIA, uh, some of my best texts at that point. And a little while later, I got an email back from Randy Sensmeyer uh, inviting me to work on a hymn collection with him. Um, Randy was my predecessor here, and I, I worked with him as my editor from, uh, I guess that would have been 2007 when he accepted my work. Um, and my first collection came out in 2009. Uh, we published four more collections beyond that. So a total of five collections that I worked on with Randy. And then when Randy retired, uh, he asked me to uh, enter into a conversation with GIA about following in his footsteps. So I've been really grateful and humbled to, to be able to step into this role, especially following someone who's such an important mentor for me. Right. That's really cool being able to follow, you know, in the footsteps of someone who mentored you. And I'm certain that you and Randy still have a lot of communication, you know, to this day, uh, bouncing ideas off each other and whatnot about certain projects. Yeah, certainly. I, and there are a couple of ongoing projects that Randy's staying involved with. Uh, we're collaborating on those. Um, it, he is very much interested in staying involved, and I value everything he brings to the table. So I'm always happy uh, to bring him in when we can. For sure. Yeah, Randy's a good guy. Miss seeing him around GIA when he, you know, he used to make uh, pretty, pretty frequent trips up there. So as I mentioned during my ad read, there's a ton of excitement for your new, well, I guess not too new anymore, uh, series, the Unbound series. This has been something a lot of musicians have been wanting for a long time. Uh, gone are the days where you have to purchase a full hymn text collection if you were only interested in a, you know, a song or two for your choir or congregation. I would imagine that most of our customers are familiar with Unbound in one way or another, but can you give us some background on what your vision is for the series as it expands? Yeah, I hope that many of our listeners are familiar with it, but in case they're not, you can go check it out now at giamusic.com slash unbound. And uh, I really hope that our users will see this as a database that they can go to over and over again to find just the right piece for uh, the service they're planning. You can search by scripture, by lectionary, uh, by themes, uh, by words, by author or by composer, and find exactly what will work for your congregation in terms of style and in terms of the text. There are some wonderful new discoveries popping up all the time. We post new things a couple of times a month, usually five or six things at a time. And we also batch things together to help users with planning. So right now you can find a set of pieces that are perfect for this year's Advent Sundays. And we put those out seasonally to uh, give people some selections to go through and save a little bit of money because in one of these packets, you can get 12 or 14 pieces for the price you would normally pay for two or three of them if you were downloading them individually. Right. I remember a few years back before you were brought on staff, you know, we had some preliminary discussions on this type of idea, but uh, seeing what it is today, seeing what you've done with the series, it certainly blows those early discussions out of the water. So it's been a great thing for us. And I know it's a super helpful crutch for musicians out there. So absolutely. Thank you for, you know, the work that you're doing there. 
I want to talk about the Hymn Society of the United States and Canada real quick. I know you have a, a special relationship with them. In 2004, you were named a Loveless Scholar, and you also served as a member on the Society's Executive Committee from 2007 to 2010. I guess the uh, question is, how has your relationship with them made you a better text writer? Yeah, the Hymn Society has been absolutely essential for me. And, you know, aside from checking out Unbound, I think the number one takeaway I want your listeners to bring from uh, this episode is if you are at all interested in church music, you need to be a part of the Hymn Society. It is the greatest untapped resource uh, for musicians that is out there. It comes with a quarterly journal that's just top notch, and the people involved are spectacular. Um, as you mentioned, I was a Loveless Scholar in 2004, which is when I went to my first Hymn Society conference, and I met people there who are still very dear friends and mentors to me. Uh, they've helped shape my writing and have uh, increased my understanding of the ecumenical church uh, to a huge extent. Um, one of my mentors was the executive director at the time, Carl Daw, who's a renowned hymn writer, and he's still my hymn writing mentor to this day. Okay, great. So besides the Unbound series, what are the few of the other projects you're working on with GA? You don't have to uh, spoil anything too much if you don't like. Well, I've been dipping my fingers into a few different areas. I'm doing a little bit of work on text editing um, for choral octavos and things like that. If we need a a new bio of uh, Johann Sebastian Bach. I get to figure out how to describe Bach in a hundred words and uh, have that nice. inside the octavo. So that's a fun little challenge to add to my plate. I'm also working on editing a, a, a book for the first time, a book on church music. And I hope to do some more of those kinds of things in the future too. Excellent. So I know another big project you were involved in was the new Mennonite hymnal Voices Together with your role as text editor. Can you give some background on the hymnal and what that whole experience kind of meant for you? Yeah, I was appointed in 2016 as a member of the Voices Together Committee. Um, we had a committee of 13 people that worked for four years to produce the hymnal. This is a successor to the last Mennonite hymnal that came out in 1992, and the one prior to that was 1969. So this is kind of a once-in-a-generation book for us. Um, that serves as a denominational hymnal for those congregations that choose to use it. Um, it's a groundbreaking and exciting book that I, I think is will be useful to people beyond the Mennonite Church, too. Um, just to give a taste of some of the new features of it, we've added visual art in addition to uh, songs and texts. Um, so there are 12 pages throughout the book where you can see visual art by Mennonite artists included. Um, and we also delved a lot more into contemporary Christian music, uh, contemporary worship music, than has done in, been done in hymnals in the past. Um, I think one of the coolest features is that for the first time in a Mennonite hymnal, both the most represented tune writer and the most represented text writer are Mennonites. Uh, previously, most of our material has been borrowed from other traditions, and that's still the case, that well over half the book is ecumenical material. But there are Mennonites making strong contributions to hymnody and congregational song now, and they're quite well represented in the book. 
That's exciting to hear. It was also uh, cool to hear you say that it's, you know, a once in a lifetime type of hymnal. I could imagine that uh, kind of makes it a little, you know, obviously a very important project, but also a little bit daunting, I guess, you know, <laughs> right? Yes. Right? Like uh, kind of makes you a little bit nervous. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure. You know, we, we had yeah. to think not only about how we are representing a tradition that we've received, but how we imagine the church moving and growing and changing over the next 30 years until there might be another hymnal. So it uh, tries to do a lot of work and I think does it quite well. Challenging, but certainly rewarding work. Next question I got for you. I got one more kind of work question and then we'll... Uh transition to a more casual part of the interview. So when preparing for the interview, I was intrigued by your work with the Open Fifths. Could you tell us about that group? Yeah, the Open Fifths is a tenor bass vocal ensemble here in Goshen, Indiana. Goshen as a community has a really strong choral uh, singing tradition uh, rooted partly in the strong Mennonite community here and Goshen College, which has had great choirs since the beginning. Um, and uh, when I moved back to Goshen in 2012, a, a friend of mine asked me to collaborate with him on starting a new choral ensemble because there wasn't a community-based ensemble for tenor bass voices. Um, and uh, we started out with 10 or 12 guys that first year meeting in a living room every week. We're now 16 men singing together, intergenerational, ranging from uh, early 20s up into the 70s, um, and uh, just have a really great time singing together. A lot of our guys have really strong music backgrounds. Um, several of us have directing experience um, and uh, several people who were music majors as college students. So uh, it's great to be able to do high quality music in a community that really appreciates it. For sure. That's awesome. Okay. So we'll transition to some more casual questions here. Uh, I also thought it was interesting to see how many different places that you grew up in and lived in throughout your life. So you were born in Pennsylvania, grew up in Alabama, Oregon, and Indiana, of course, live there now. In addition to that, you also spent some time in Maryland when you were an associate pastor. I know it might be tough, but which of these areas was your favorite to live in and why? It's not tough at all, Oregon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, okay. I kind of consider Oregon to be the apparent ideal of God's design, that uh, putting Oregon together was the pinnacle of geographic achievement. You've got oceans, you've got woodland, you've got mountains, you've got high desert. Um, uh, and, it, you know, it helps that I lived there in my early teen years, um, late childhood, early teen years, which I think is when you form your ideal of what home is supposed to be. Right. Um, right. And so I've, uh, I've always held Oregon as the best of all possible worlds. It's, it's hard to compare Indiana to that. Yeah, very true. What uh, part of Oregon did you live in? Uh, in the middle of the Willamette Valley, a town called Corvallis, where Oregon State University is. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's always been an area I've wanted to get up to, the Pacific Northwest in general. I've had a few friends vacation in Oregon, spending a good amount of time there exploring the state, you know, the mountains. And the pictures and the stories uh, are pretty incredible. So hopefully I'll get out that way soon. 
Okay, now we're going to do what's called the pick one segment. So I'm going to give you a choice of two things, and you have to pick your favorite of the two and give me a brief explanation as to why you picked that. Could first, be dangerous. First one. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely could be. Fall or spring? Uh, fall. It's uh, less predictable in how it bounces. Yeah, that's a good point. Cats or dogs? Well, we have a dog, so I feel a little bit obligated to go that way. And I'm a little bit allergic to cats, but personality-wise, I'm more intrigued by cats. What kind of dog do you have? Half Schnauzer, half Yorkie. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm a big dog fan, so I always got to ask that question. Hot dogs or hamburgers? Hamburgers. Oh, no hesitation there. I like knowing what the meat is. Ah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense iPhone or Android? <laughs> uh, whatever track phone sends me. <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't uh, pride myself on my technological adaptability, so I use what I can get for cheap. Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm also a Coca-Cola guy. Last one will make it interesting here. Beatles or Rolling Stones? Beatles. Beatles. Okay, great. Yep, I've agreed with you on everyone except the, the cats and dogs. Yeah, well, and I hedged my bets on that one, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, this has been awesome, Adam. Thanks again for carving out some time to talk with me today. We'll wrap up on this question here. What are some hobbies that you have that you like to do in the little free time that you have? Well, the, the surprising one, I guess, is that I'm a rock climber. Oh, wow. Uh, which is quite strange living in Indiana. Um, I tried it out the first couple times while I lived in Maryland, climbing on some actual rocks. Um, but uh, since moving back to Indiana, I've had to settle for climbing on plastic rocks and facilities. So a couple of days a week, I'm in my friend's shed where he has a little rock wall set up. When I was at college at Illinois State University, uh, the rec center, they actually had a climbing wall right when you walked in the front door. And, you know, I always thought to myself, Hey, that looks cool while walking by it, you know, every day, but just kept my head down, kept walking, go do my workout. But now after talking with you, I'm uh, determined to try this out. <laughs> well, there's some great walls in uh, Chicago. So next time okay. I'm in town, let's uh, set some time aside and do that. Okay, let's do that. Yeah, that would be cool. Well, hey, thanks again, Adam. This has been great. I've enjoyed talking with you, and it was great for our listeners to, to uh, get an inside look at you know, how you became who you are, uh, your projects coming up, and of course, you know, the Unbound series. So, so we thank you for that. Thanks. I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. You have a good rest of the day, buddy. Take care. All right. You too. All right. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Adam Tice. I'm going to play a short clip of the title track off Adam's Walk in Peace collection that he did with composer Sally Ann Morris. For a limited time, we're going to give all Encore listeners 10% off both this recording and the music collection. Use promo code ENCORE10 at checkout. That's E-N-C-O-R-E and the number 10. The code will be good through November 29th. Here's Walk in Peace.
Walk in peace, walk in beauty, walk in the Spirit of God. And when you walk, Christ is there. And when you walk, Christ is there. Walk in peace, walk in peace, walk in beauty, walk in, beauty. Walk in the Spirit. Thank you for tuning in to episode 14 of Encore. From everyone here at GIA, we hope you all have a great Thanksgiving. As always, stay tuned to GIA's social media channels and soundboard.giamusic.com for updates on our next episode. Until next time, take care, everyone.